Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Back to the truth about local government. Today, I'm delighted to have Andy Sharp on, the Director of Social Care, Health and Housing from Central Bedfordshire Council. Now, the reason why I'm so excited, Andy brings with him 14 years experience where he's acted in a leadership capacity at a senior level as both Director of Children's Services and Director of Adult Social Services. Uh, he's dealt with complex agendas and issues and is one of is, is notif- notably kind of recognised as one of the, the leading voices within this sector. And with, with social care being such an important topic at the moment, we are delighted that Andy could take the time to speak with us. So, Andy, thank you so much for the podcast. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And thank you for taking time to have a chat with me, Matt. I'm looking forward to it. Amazing. So let's dive straight into this. What are the pressures currently facing social care functions within local government? I think it's the same pressures we've been facing for quite a number of years, to be honest, and and that's part of the difficulty for us. So we've got increasing levels of demand, increasing levels of complexity of those people who are needed to draw down support from social care. And we are seeing reductions in real terms in the amount of funding that's available to meet those people's needs. That leads to a whole host of problems in terms of being able to find the right services for those people, trying to find the right options in a way that is personalised to them because one size doesn't fit all for people who are accessing social care, as we know. And that's increasingly difficult within the landscape of local government, which is really, really pressured financially. And the sector in health and social care that is really pressured around the workforce that's available and the amount of money that's in the system to deliver all the things that we need to deliver. If you look at the way that things have changed over recent years, we've seen huge amounts of increases in older people and the older population across the country. But we haven't seen particularly large increases in those that are receiving statutory support from adult social care through local authorities. And that does two things. It suggests that we're working really effectively to keep people out of services in the right way. But it also suggests that there's more pressure on informal carers and social networks to try and help people who don't meet statutory requirements. Um, so it's a kind of double-edged sword, really, and all of that's in the context of local authorities trying to meet the wider demands of their population, because we in adult social care actually support a comparatively small proportion of our local population, the residents that live within our local area. Um, so we've got that wider context of how does a local authority fund all of these things in a, a very pressured environment. So the main challenges really are about how do you meet people's complexity, because people are living for longer and having greater needs into, into later life. We've also got, obviously, growing cohorts of people with learning disabilities and physical disabilities. And of course, there's also mental health issues. That's really something that's growing over recent years, people presenting with mental health needs. Um, So we've got to deal with all of those pressures in what is a very challenged sector with small numbers of providers, potentially, and a lack of workforce to meet those needs. So it's all of those things in that wider fiscal context. And in terms of, you know, going back to the workforce, because with all of these things and it's uh, you know, having the capacity within the workforce to do the work that's required. How difficult is it to 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 have your to to have your uh, function properly staffed? Is it is it challenging to have enough support within the system? 
Um, absolutely it is. And that, that challenge is, a, is real across all levels of the system. So probably the most obvious and apparent is those that are on the front line. So um, in terms of recruiting and retaining staff in direct care provision, whether that be in a care home or um, delivering home care services or working in reablement or working in day services, it's a real challenge because it's a comparatively low paid profession by comparison to all the things that people could do. Um, because again, it's about the resources that are available to fund that sector. Um, so we do have real challenges. We've also got an aging workforce. People who've worked in care tend to be in a slightly older age demographic. Um, and we know that we're not bringing as many young people through into the system. And when they do come into the system, a large chunk of them don't stay. So they'll, they'll work in that environment for a short period of time and then go off and do other things. And that's completely understandable. But it does mean that local authorities and care providers are really struggling where they've got direct provision in terms of bringing people in. That creates a reliance on agency staff because we don't have a choice but to have safe levels of, of support for certain provisions that are registered by the CQC, quite rightly. But that has the impact of placing a, a further pressure on the finances that are available to actually deliver services because agency staff are, tend to be more expensive. So there's that problem, but there's also the assessment side of things. So if you look at most local authorities, recruitment and retention of social workers um, is actually very, very challenging and very, very difficult. It's a very competitive market. Um, we're in a situation where a lot of local authorities are carrying vacancies and using agency staff for social work support because, again, we need that capacity and it's really hard to bring in people on permanent contracts. And there's a number of reasons for that. It's partly about paying conditions because um, it's it's not a particularly well remunerated role for the pressures that people are facing. Um, but it's also about people also making decisions to work in agency environments because a, they can they can get higher remuneration for that, but also they can be more flexible in where they work and how they work. Um, so there's a real challenge around that because that that has two things to it really. It means that it's more expensive to deliver those services because we're using agency staff who are more expensive. But it's also about continuity of support for those residents who are working with social workers because people turn over and move on and that, that creates challenges to create those relationships. So there's a real workforce issue from both the direct provision, but also the social work side of it. And one of the things that I think is going to be a growing problem for us is also management capacity. So those professionals who move into management roles, um, we're seeing less desire for people to move into management roles because they perhaps don't see the the benefit for the comparatively small difference in terms of conditions for the extra pressure and workload that comes with being in a management role. Um, so all of those things together leave us with a very challenged workforce. And at the moment we're coping in adult social care. Um, we're, we're not in as bad a position as children's social care colleagues where there's a, there's a real, I hate to use the word crisis because I think it's, it's used too often, um, but recruitment for social workers in children's social care is incredibly, incredibly tight. Um, and there are far too many local authorities who are running with high caseloads um, and also with not enough staff that are permanent because they rely on an agency. And my concern is that if we don't do something at a national level around adult social care, we'll end up in a very similar space in a few years' time because we're seeing those pressures. Hasn't reached that point yet, but it's heading in that direction. In terms of supply, has Brexit had an impact in terms of the amount of, you know, uh, I don't want to make general assumptions here or mm. assertions, but you know, within the care sector, uh, you know, that there were people who were coming over from Europe who were working the care mm -hmm. sector for the, the lower pay. Has that had an impact, do you feel, in terms of the supply of carers? I think it had an impact initially. I'm, I'm not as convinced that it has a long term impact. I think people 
um, needed to get used to the new arrangements and go through the process of, of how you could you could work in, in this environment. Um, the larger issue for us, I think, is just the fact that there is a real challenge in the um, the jobs market at the moment. So people are very competitive and that means that if you can, can earn 50p an hour more for working in Boots or Sainsbury's, for example, um, than delivering personal care, then a lot of people will make that choice. Um, and that's the challenge that we've got. So whereas the private sector, because they're in a position of um, they're able to move their pricing structures around to generate more profits to be able to, to spend more on their staffing structure. So we've seen the inflationary pressures that we've had through cost of living. And if you look at the average increase in wages, this is generically speaking, and there was a piece on the on the radio the other day that generically speaking, wages have gone up by about 7.8% um, across the country. That hasn't happened in the public sector because we, we're set up, set up very differently. So wages aren't keeping pace with the private sector and private environments. And that will mean that people are making different decisions because obviously their costs are going up. That's driving probably more of a problem at the moment than, than issues around Brexit. Um, but it's been an ongoing issue for a long time. There, are, there have been some steps to try and address it. So I'm not suggesting it's all negative because it isn't. We've had some additional funding from central government around workforce that's come into local authorities that we've been able to passport into the market to allow providers to pay a little bit more for their workforce, which has been really helpful. But still that gap between the wages that are available and the terms and conditions that are available in, in more private sector roles, if you like, and those in the public sector, it continues to grow. And that obviously places a pressure on, on recruitment and retention. Talking about decision making, could you kind of talk a bit to the listeners at home about how you prioritise and the decision making process around social care spend and the consequent impact that that has on the ability to fund other council services? Yeah, as a as a DAS, a director of adult services, it's it's a really difficult one because obviously we're going to try and get the best possible deal locally for those people who draw on care and support from adult services. Of course, we are, but. We also have to bear in mind that more corporate role that we've got around what it is that local authorities are there to do. And we know that comparatively small numbers of people are actually directly drawing support from adult social care in terms of resident base within the population area. Um, but we actually spend the majority of local authority money these days, from a revenue point of view at least, on social care, whether that be adults or children's. And that's a really difficult balance. So from my own point of view, one of the big challenges that we have is trying to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do in the here and now, meeting people's needs in the right way, whilst also trying to think about how do we invest some money into preventative services and doing things differently to reduce need in the future. Because if we don't do that, we know the pressure will be even greater further down the track. And trying to make sure that services are more personalised so that people get the best possible experience of those services is also critical. So I guess what we're trying to do is find that golden point where we can identify a way of spending our resources that is very personalised but is also cost effective and there's always that balance between cost effectiveness and what's right for the individual what's right for their families um, so it's a very very difficult set of decisions but ultimately we have to comply with the law so that's your starting point we can have to comply with the law and the care act and making sure we do all the things that we need to do as part of that and all the safeguarding legislation and then it's about how do we deploy our resources to do those things because there are different ways of going about it so one of the things that we've we've done in um, central bedfordshire that i think is really innovative actually is we've, we've tried to use our links with housing services and capital investment to generate more supportive living environments and to re-deliver 
repurpose our care home um, provision, our internal care home provision. That allows us to think about what people's needs are in the future. It's a huge investment for the local authority, but it's actually very cost effective down the track. So it's making those kinds of decisions in a way that doesn't jeopardise the here and now, but allows us to think about the future, but also making that in that wider context of if local authorities can spend 60% of their resources on social care, that doesn't leave a huge amount left to deal with the things that the vast majority of residency is really important, whether that be filling potholes or um, dealing with the road infrastructure or cutting grass, those kinds of things um, that are really important on the doorstep politically. So getting that balance right and making sure that as a director in those, in those conversations are pragmatic is a really, really difficult line to, to hold. I think it's one of those things as well, because firstly, that's exceptional work that you're, you and you, you've been leading there. Um, and I think it's amazing to be looking down the track and trying to reduce spend by proactive investment. Now, I think it's fantastic. In, in, I think one of the reasons that, you know, we wanted this podcast was to make the public aware as to the decision making process, because mm-hmm. it's so difficult to communicate with the public to make them aware of the decision. But if they knew that, for example, investment now, yes, that meant we couldn't do X, Y, Z at the moment, but would lead us to the ability in the future to be able to, to sustain uh, a high level of services in the future, because there wouldn't be that. I don't think it was a drain, but there wouldn't have been that that had to be that prioritization of spend on something yeah. that we could have avoided. Um is there anything else? I mean, I, I know you, off, we've been talking kind of off off uh, off air. You know, you've done some amazing work that you've been leading on, uh, Andy and, and your team, and you're very proud of the work that you're doing. Is there anything else that you've kind of any kind of uh, approach that you're you're taking to try and get ahead of some of the problems of tomorrow uh, today, mm. as it were? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, most local authorities are, are trying to be innovative in the approaches that they take. I think we've. We've certainly in Central Bedfordshire, and, and it predates me largely, but we've we've certainly invested in that infrastructure and those arrangements to try and make sure that we've got the right um, placements for people into the future. But also, I think alongside that, there's a real investment in technology. So how do we use technology to support people in their own homes um, and not be as reliant on care and support? And how do we use technology to, to make a real difference to those people as they move through their care journey? And we've certainly invested a lot in in that environment to try and make sure that um, people are able to utilise support that keeps them independent and isn't service based. I think one of the things that we tend to tended to get as feedback from from residents who who draw on care and support historically has been that um, if you're reliant on domiciliary care, for example, somebody coming into your home to provide provide support for you, personal care for you, your entire day and the way in which you live your day is dependent upon when those calls arrive and when those people arrive and those people coming into your home. So trying to, wherever possible, minimise that kind of interaction so people have more freedom and flexibility to do things when they want to do it is really important. But we can't forget the fact there are going to be cohorts of people that need that higher level of support. It's getting that balance right. And I think one of the things that we are trying to do that's that's really positive, I know others are as well, is, is trying to have different conversations with people when they contact sexual care. So the starting point is always, what can you do to help yourself? What can your family and friends do to help you? What can your wider networks do to help you? What community resources are there to help you? And if we exhaust all of that, then we get into the assessment side of things and start to think about statutory care and support. And one of the things that's really challenging but actually I think the skill set in social care has really grown around it is having those conversations with people that give them a different concept and context to their to the way they approach things because we've seen people will think automatically if I've got some some support needs social care is the place to go 
people don't necessarily realise that a that social care isn't free at the, the point of delivery um, for everybody. Um, most people end up paying some contribution towards their social care. It's not like health services, but people don't realise that. Um, but also what's probably not recognised by families of those people who need care and support is that actually one of the things that we do know is that if you go into care and support too early and you start receiving that report, that support, it creates dependency and actually speeds up your journey through the care system. Um, and actually, if we can keep people away from statutory care for as long as possible in the right way, it actually does pro produce better outcomes for people and improves their health and well-being in the long term. So it's those kinds of conversations, that way of working and not treating people as though it's about what service can you access from a menu. It's about what's right for you as an individual and how can we find that for you and how can we support you in finding that for yourself? Absolutely. And it's having that, you know, um, quality of life focus and that specific tailored approach that the consequence is obviously going to be a, a, a reduced cost in the system. But actually, the main focus of it is a better outcome for the individual absolutely. and for the society. That's absolutely spot on. Andy. I mean, there's been um, some changes recently in adult social services mm. to the regulation, the CQC. Could you talk to the listeners at home a bit about these changes and, and the consequent impact and pressures that you feel this might have on the system? Yeah, so um, we have seen a change in that central government took the decision to um, effectively regulate um, adult social care provision by local authorities in a, in a way that it hasn't done for, for many years, actually. Um, there are pros and cons to regulation, and I think that's something that, that people really need to understand because it isn't as straightforward and simple as um, somebody will come in, take a look at the local authority and make a, um, a very clear judgment about how they're performing the decision making that they're, they're, they're taking and how it works for them because those regulatory visits are done over a very short period of time. Um, as you mentioned at the start, I've been a director of children's services previously, so I was working within the Ofsted framework in a previous role. Um, and the CQC framework for adult social care, although not the same as the Ofsted framework, is going to be quite similar, I would imagine, in the way that it's approached. We're still working through the pilots of it, um, and it won't actually go live now until November of this year at the earliest. My gut feel is it's probably going to be the new year before we actually start seeing it really, really come into effect. The challenge with it is that we should absolutely, of course, be open and transparent in our government about the things that we do and be open to people reviewing what we do um, and identifying if there are things we could do better, because sometimes we can be too close to it. The difficulty with regulation is that it can become a bit of a tick box exercise if the regulator isn't careful. And it can be a case of if you don't do things in the way that the framework expects you to do it and you do things differently, that that's seen as a problem and that's seen as a negative when actually it might not be you might be doing it differently for a whole host of perfectly valid reasons that actually serve your your local population better and my concern i guess is making sure that the regulatory framework doesn't become restrictive for local authorities because we're doing lots of really innovative work in the adult space and i would hate to see a situation where people become nervous about being innovative and doing things differently because that might result in them getting um, an unfavourable outcome from a regulator because that that doesn't drive positive outcomes for the residents that that drives an insular view from local authorities there's also quite a lot of work that has to go into preparing for these things so um, we have um, a small team of people that are preparing for regulation we're in a situation where we will have to produce a self-assessment as we did for children's for Ofsted 
And those are quite long and complex documents. You're trying to tell the story of your local authority, your local area um, to people who don't necessarily know the context of it. And they'll probably spend only a few days working with us. Sorry, my dogs have started barking because it's something we've done. Sorry, he wants to be involved in the conversation, and, and rightly so. Uh, <laughs> but, but just so everyone at home, why have the government bought in regulation? What, what's their, uh, what, what was the, because obviously this is going to cost more money and, and, and at a time where we're trying to reduce costs. Why have they bought in regulation? I think it's partly about trying to ensure that there is a, a clear understanding of, of how things operate in local authorities. Uh, so one of the things that has been said post the, the pandemic is uh, that central government perhaps didn't have as clear an awareness of, of what local authorities do for social care as they would have liked and as clear a line of sight into it. Um, so that's part of what regulation is about, is to create that line of sight and that understanding. And it's also about trying to make sure that minimum standards are met across local authorities. I think one of the things that came out of the um, discussions with central government through the pandemic and subsequently has been that there are very different ways of going about it and doing things. and there is a concern that maybe those minimum standards aren't being met, particularly within the financial pressures that local authorities face, um, which links us back to the earlier part of the conversation. And I think that's very understandable and is something that is quite right, because there does need to be understanding of that line of sight. I guess the only question for me is, is regulation the right way of going about it? So if you think about the peer review process that most local authorities go through, we've got an LGA peer review in Central Bedfordshire in a couple of weeks' time, not look at our social care particularly. We've had one of those relatively recently, but this is looking at our corporate approach. Now, I always find those peer reviews to be extremely effective in identifying things that are working well and things that aren't working so well um, and pointing out things that could be done differently and potentially better, but it's done in a, in a very positive and a very collegiate kind of way. And the risk with um, regulation is that it can, to some extent, become a little bit of confrontation if you don't agree with the outcome that that regulation is presented. I've certainly been in that situation as a DCS. Um, and that that creates a challenge and a difficulty that I don't really think needs to be there. Mm. Um, one of the things that I think is positive about the, the way in which the CQC are approaching it is that they are looking to bring people from the sector who understand it into the system of regulation. So James Bullion, who is going to be the chief inspector for, for the CQC, for the adults framework, um, is a, a former DAS who understands things really clearly. So I think that'll be helpful. But I do think we still need to just make sure we get that balance right and, and people's time capacity focus needs to be on delivering services for residents not on meeting the requirements of regulatory framework exactly not ticking a box just so that a box has been ticked uh, i completely agree it's it's yeah i mean it's um i'm not going to go off on a rant about ofsted but that's uh <laughs> we'll leave that for another day but that that's really interesting and i i just want to say your central bedfordshire you know you're doing some amazing work there for andy you and your team so thank you so much for that and thank you so much today for your insights it it is really interesting and I think for, for so many people in communities across the UK who either suffer with mental health, who have parents or, or, you know, who receive social care, it's so important that this is, is is properly looked at. But also for communities as a whole, it's important that we are looking at innovative ways and and best ways to have the best outcomes for for those members of the community. So I just um, I hope that everyone is, is taking the same approach that you were and, and really taking this by the horns. But thank you for your time today, Andy. It's um, it's very much no, appreciated. Thank you. thank you, Matt. Cheers for that. So you've been listening to The Truth About Local Government. We've been exploring social care today and um, it's been a, a really insightful, really interesting conversation with Andy Sharp.
Um, thank you for listening. Please give us a good review, like and share. And um, I look forward to uh, bringing more episodes to you soon. You have been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Remember, your local council does some amazing work, but you can help. So remember to vote and be engaged with the work they're doing. If you like this podcast, please like, share and give a five-star review. If you would like to feature on the podcast, have any shout-out of excellent work being done by a local authority, or have any topics you would like covered, please email me at truthaboutlocalgovernment at gmail.com. Truth about local government. Local government is at the heart of what we do.